Hey folks, this is Nathan from 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade. If you'd like to help support our podcast, there's a few ways you can go about doing so. First, you can get some cool rewards by supporting us at patreon.com slash 25 years of vampire the masquerade. Check out our website at utilitymuffinlabs.com. We now have a shop where you can get your very own Utility Muffin Lab sticker or pick up a cool shirt from our Tee Public shop. That's tpublic.com slash utilitymuffinlabs. If you want to send us comments or you are a content creator who'd like to be on one of our podcasts, send us an email to nathan at utilitymuffinlabs.com. Finally, you can send me actual physical letters to P.O. Box 30332, Indianapolis, Indiana 46230. We will be at Gen Con this August as well, so keep listening for more details as they become available. Thank you for supporting Utility Muffin Labs. We are consistently rated adequate. is 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, a retrospective podcast brought to you by UtilityMuffinLabs.com. Welcome to another episode of 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade. My name is Nathan. And I'm Bob. And today we are here to represent the Lollipop Guild. Um, Lollipop Guild. So, Lollipop Guild. Actually, we're reviewing Council of Primogen. Although, um, let me ask you completely spur of the moment, uh, apropos of nothing. Uh, did you get to see the the preview of V5 that White Wolf put up on uh, the World of Darkness website? No, I've not seen it yet. Okay. So, I'm going to tell you, like everybody else should know, you want to go to the World of Darkness website. And you want to set up a profile on World of Darkness. It's super easy. It takes like two minutes. And they give you a free preview of some final pages from the V5 book. And um, I didn't get a chance really to go over like the rules and, and stuff like that that's in there. Because um, I don't really think at this point it's imperative to know that. Um, however, I will say this. Visually... And this is not a word that I would normally describe anything um, except for something I would eat, but it's got a very creamy feel. And what I mean by that, it probably sounds like a weird thing, right? But it's just like everything, I just want to touch it. I just want to, uh, it looks visually quite stimulating. I can say that. I, I know you've seen some of like the, just the brief artwork and stuff. Right. Um, but look uh, at the website now after a while. Well, We'll get in that later. I do like the look, right? That's that's coming up with uh with a lot of what they're doing. Uh, it was hit or miss for me for some of the previews, but the final product looks pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it it looks good to me too, and I'm very excited to go into full detail. But basically, what this preview has, um, it has. I think it's limited to a certain amount of time, so I may not even have. Okay, so it, no, I don't even have access to it anymore. I don't think. No, I do. I just can't. I probably guess just can't save it or whatever. Doesn't matter. But uh, it's uh, it's like about a 15 or so page preview and it goes through some of the things and what I think you're going to you're going to realize right off. They added some new um, some new like beliefs. Uh, So basically some like they've changed kind of like how humanity works. And it seems to me that it's much more in line with Requiem. As far as like, um, they have certain convictions and like, I, I know that in some form or fashion, 
uh, th- like v- the virtues and vices were kind of a thing in, in Requiem. Is that right? Yeah, they are. Yeah. Uh, virtues, they're like nature and demeanor, but not really. Right. So, you know what I mean? so now they have, they have these convictions and these are like, basically you, they don't have a numerical value. They basically, you pick them and there's certain, um, tools that you use to guide the role play of your character. So basically they're values that you attempt to uphold after you become embraced. So a, an example of them are like never do drugs or um, reject wealth for it corrupts or stand up for the disenfranchised. So these are supposed to be traits that guide you in your role play. And there's a bunch of different examples in here. And they only go into it briefly because like we only get like two pages of it. But it looks very cool. And uh, they also made some changes to celerity. And I think that there's some very big, um, like, epic stuff that's happened with the Bruja clan. Um, but just looking at this book, and, and that's kind of like my first, you know, my, my off-the-cuff thing. They also have this cool thing where they're called lore sheets, where basically you pick, like, dots in them. I, I guess they're like a background. And they, like automatically associate you with some other thing going on in the plot of the game, like the overall plot of the game, not just like the storyteller's plot. So I think that that's pretty cool too. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing it all as a whole, you know, before I really give any judgment, but it did, it did its, its job, right? It like got me to sign Damn. on two pages. That's pimp. Well, no, no. So it's, it's not two pages. The preview here is like about 15 or 20 pages. I don't know off the top of my head because I'm not going to sit here and count them, but um, <laughs> it's just um, they might say up, up at the top here. So yeah, it gives you a couple. So it's a it's a 20 pages um, of previews, and it it jumps around right. So it's not just like the first 20 pages. It's like 33, 34, 35, and it shows so you. So you sign up, where do you find this preview? Okay, so after if you, I happen to be looking, because yeah. I'm in the V5 section, I see V5 Alpha, it's, sign it's, up. It's very good that you asked because the people that are listening are going to have the same question, and it took me a moment to figure it out too. So um, after you sign up, if you look now, now where you're at, you're looking for my inventory. My inventory should have Bird. already received the V5 preview. Sure did. Accurate as ever. Good deal. Yep. So um, on this on this page, you can see like there's a bunch of things I haven't looked at because I just signed up on this World of Darkness website as well, like literally right before the podcast. Um, but it looks like you can, you know, add characters and do all kinds of like cool stuff here. I'm definitely looking forward to exploring this. Um, I just want to let everybody know right away. Nobody paid us to talk about this. It's not a thing. We just, you know, obviously we're here for you. We're fans just as much as you are, so um, we're very interested. And speaking of fans, I have a thing that I want to do, which is thank our new Patreon backers um, for um, May and June. So without further ado, I would like to thank Ian Hogan. Thank you. Um, You've been constantly, uh, in a good way, constantly commenting, very engaged. I really appreciate your patronage. Gremlin, Mr. Adelaide. Joseph Cox, uh, Andreas Anderson, Mao both. I, I probably pronounce it incorrectly. I'm very sorry, but um, let me know how to pronounce that correctly. Uh, Kunam, Maxime Boucher, Eric Top, and Isaac H. Page. 
So thank you guys very much for your support and following us on patreon.com slash 25 years of vampire the masquerade. And uh, while you look over that preview real quick, I'm just going to go over this real quick question that we had on Patreon from William Carson. It's not really a question. It's more of like a suggestion. He says, you guys should do a show with the podcast by night crew. They're a world of darkness podcast on iTunes. Good stuff. Um, have you listened to any of the other podcasts out there, like Podcast by Night, Bob? I'm not pod, yeah, not Podcast by Night, no. I'm not familiar it's with them. Yeah, I'm not familiar with them either. Um, I'm familiar with the name, right? I've seen them on Twitter. Right. But with all the stuff that we do for this podcast, it's very difficult to um, find the time to listen to additional podcasts because um, we're always kind of like working on them or preparing them. And our time is pretty limited who us but um <laughs> i i would say there is no reason we wouldn't want to do a podcast with another group of individuals that are out there like doing what we're doing or doing something similar to what we're doing um they just need to reach out to us right i don't i don't know the podcast by night people bob doesn't know the podcast by night people but everyone else that we've ever interviewed or spoken with or been on the podcast with all they did was reach out to us. I mean, we're, you know, we're, we're more than willing to, uh, for me, and I can't speak for Bob, but I feel like he feels the same way for me. This is all about growing the community, right? This is all about like doing the opposite of what like genre fied metalhead fans do, which is like, <laughs> that's cool. Now I don't want to do that. It's stupid. I like, I enjoy and am passionate about this game and about this company's product in, in a variety of their incarnations, you know, it's, it's all the same to me, you know, from first edition to V20 to now V5. Like to me, that's all the same game. It's all the same company and I enjoy it and I'm passionate about it. And I like to meet people who are passionate about it and I like to share my enjoyment with them. And if you're making podcasts and we're making podcasts, we should try to do it together and see what happens. You know, I, I think growing this game and growing this, uh, this, this subculture, this, whatever you want to call it, this community, I think it's what our, all of our goals are. Right. I think, I think that's the had to been the goal from the beginning. Right. Right. Cause we didn't care if we had three people. Right. So much as listening, you know, if it was just me and you doing what we love and we and won't care when I, we have three again. Right. And we said it's, it's worldwide. So if there's like satellites of just four people, <laughs> right. you know but in each part of the world right. talking about a product they love for us that's a win right you know because then it, you don't feel like you're on your own island there's some people that you can kind of geek out with and and to be fair i gotta i gotta be on the level i hate those terms i just i i can't get those out of me geeking out nerding out you're a nerd those things are uh how do i put this i, I guess the term is marginalized right because you guys are brilliant just just because we like something that and we're passionate about it we don't, I don't like adding a negative connotation to it. Oh, no, you're and, I just state, right. and I just state that because our community, I hear it a lot where it's like they'll be passionate about something instead of making a good and thoughtful comment that they had, they kind of get embarrassed that suddenly they're out there. And they go, oh, man, I'm nerding out. I'll just, you know, I'm just geeking a bit. Excuse me. I'm like, nah, fuck that. Geek out. <laughs> right. Do your thing. Do your thing, you know. That's, right. you know, I just said it right there, but that's because I'm used to hearing it as well. Right. And it's just me. I'm taking it back. Uh, yeah, catch me on. We 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 <laughs> do. We get a lot. You know, we meet, uh, not physically, but that's starting to be a thing too. But we meet a lot of people online where you know they they either they just 
they've never had a group of people to foster that uh, that growth. Like, you know, tabletop gaming's always had like this stigma, and we've talked about it on other podcasts and this one, like in earlier episodes. But man, I I, I let my freak flag fly, right? It's, exactly. it's because it's nothing to be it's nothing to be ashamed of, right? You enjoy a game. Uh, great. There are way worse things. And, you know, for people like me and some of the people that came up in this game or, or gaming like this, it was a it was a key component to, like, keeping them on the straight and narrow and avoiding trouble. So not only is it like just a lot of fun to pretend uh, but for a lot of us, it's a way to get us, you know, moving forward. Like I, I credit this podcast with a great deal of my current success. That's totally unrelated, you know, and, 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 and what do to, we credit the podcast to this game? Right. And to, and to that vein, you know, it's kind of a shout out to white wolf because, you know, people look at it as just a business doing game. Yeah, that's true. But kind of a testament to to them, their genre, they made it to where a lot of counterculture people right. who might have stuck with the drug scene or sticking it to the, to the alcoholic level, binging and whatnot, and just not really moving, you know, because we all know what that is. That's a phase of curiosity and probing right. and right. what have you. But it's really a social more that keeps you mired in it. Like usually once you get drunk, smashed, you don't need to do it again. That kind of sucks. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Right. But if everybody else is doing it, that social cycle keeps you in it. But what I found was gaming was always that reverse outlet, right? Like somebody who used to party every single weekend where, you know, what? I'm just gonna go play vampire, chill out. I'll meet you at Denny's. And then we even watched those circles. If you recall, Nate, back in the day where it'd be like, you know, five people used to always get hammered. Now it's only two leaving right? because they prefer the alcohol, but then the rest stayed. And then like, They've, it just served them well, right? And, and, and so in the, it's you, defense. You you would see these groups of people, uh, you know, again, they'd come in five, six, ten of them, and then eventually one group would stay at game, one group would leave, and then eventually, just like the people that were always leaving, just never came back, right? And it was right. like it was it was sad to see them go, but also it was like, well, we know where you're headed, and it's in a different direction. Right. And we're not saying prohibition, bring it back. What we're saying is, is that there's everything in moderation. Right. We've learned even gaming. I think we've learned very distinctly that drinking and gaming <laughs> seem to be fairly <laughs> equally matched uh, culturally. And uh, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I, I don't particularly drink, but I don't not drink. Like, went to the wedding. I had like five beers the night after. I was fine. You know, it was over the course of like five hours. So it wasn't like I was trying to get, you know, pissed drunk wasted you know and embarrass right. myself and and you know adults drink it's a social leisurely thing what really fucked me up was being an adult in my 30s and going to larps at places where it's socially acceptable and seeing people drink at those larps and that, <laughs> that that's where i was like oh uh they're drinking does the storytelling staff know i i totally i totally turned into like the like the 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 nerd like the typical like oh somebody's gonna get in trouble what's happening <laughs> well what's funny about that that's like i found asking ryan going to games as well mm -hmm. even in our day that was us right that, that that was us reading this book see what it says don't don't use alcohol right or any any form of drugs right. while gaming that's so nobody gets fucked up okay pal right we're your drug Right. <laughs> Gaming's your drug. We'll pretend for four hours and afterwards we'll go with you. I've always felt That's... very like Henry Rollins about that stuff. Like, you come here to game. You do not right. ingest poisons while you're at game. I'll allow <laughs> your cigarettes, but that's it. Like, it's well, not that big of a deal. See, 
let, let's explain creativity for a minute. Anybody who's a writer, anybody who's an artist understands fully, fully yeah. that when you're in the zone, you want nothing to conflict with those neurons of firing right. and being in that zone. So I think that's why me and you were always big. I, I, and to this matter, I don't want to speak for you, put words in your mouth, but I do feel you share this, that that's even today. Right. Like if I'm in my mix, let me mix it. Right. Don't interrupt it. It's, it's, uh, I'll put it like this. Um, I've had a recent gaming experience and I'm not going to mention when, where, or who, because I think overall it was a very positive experience where I was at a game and the drinking started, uh, at the beginning of the game, no big deal. And then as the game went on, the player in that I'm referencing got better and better and better, right? More, <laughs> more believable in the character. And then they peaked and then they started the very rapid decline into slurring and incomprehensible. And to me, it's like, I don't mind if you drink, right? Some of my heroes, some of my all time greatest heroes were heavy consumers of massive amounts of alcohol and they did it to loosen them up to get their creative juices flowing and i get it it's cool like we're all adults right you're at a game with other adults why not drink my my suggestion would be just maintain a level of moderation because at some point you're no longer a vampire you're just a pissed drunk dude stuttering over his words and you know that can be like bob said it's not your job to keep me in game but also it kind of is right right so i would say alcohol's cool at a at a at a game you know, everybody's adults there. That's fine. But at the same time, like be mindful that eventually you're going to, and this, this is any game you sit down, dice, LARP, whatever, be mindful that eventually you're probably going to fuck up somebody's night. If you continue <laughs> to like, dude, do I it just treat it like a work event. Right. You know, right. when I open up the bar, it's like, yeah, cool. I'll have a couple drinks, but we're here to role play. Right. Exactly. Exactly. That's how I've always treated it too. I mean, I, I've never found alcohol or drugs or psychedelics or anything to actually improve my creativity. Usually it dulls my motor skills and it dulls my senses. And this is a game in a lot of occasions of political intrigue, which this is a very long winded transition, right? Yes. But uh -huh. <laughs> the reason why I'm bringing it all the way back here is because of the book that we're reviewing, which is council of primogen. Now this book is a breath of fresh air for those who have been like, do they realize they're getting really like, they're kind of digging in the, in the way back to make specialized books and actually address it here. And what I mean yep. by digging in the way back, it's like, we talked about the Prince, you know, there's been such focus on the Prince several times right. about what the Prince can do and what he does. and talks about the sheriff to almost exhaustion about what they can do, but they have very specialized tasks and roles as they point out in this book. Right. But then in, in that beginning, I love how it also falls to, um, this book is kind of making it old school Yeah. before we're kind of defining everything, but we forgot to tell you about the Permanent council. We just haven't said much about it. And that's what this book is all about. Right. So, um, there's a lot of words that are like really popular kind of like buzzwords that, uh, people use nowadays. And one of them that, uh, I think applies here is the, the term echo chamber. I'm sure you're familiar with it. And basically what an yeah. echo chamber is, is like you surround yourself by people who believe the same stuff that you do to reaffirm your ideas. It's not a word that I use typically. I like to avoid politics unless it's fake. So this book to me was like walking into the echo chamber. And I'll explain. When I started playing this game, I was pretty young, and there was a lot of mystique, right? 
the primogen council. They're like these powerful elders that you, you, you walk into a game or you sit down at the table and you're like, who the fuck are these? Like, oh my, like don't step wrong near the primogen because they'll have you dealt with, right? So they're, they're like, I always con- considered them like the powerful, mysterious elders of the city. And they sat, they were like the peerless elders amongst the elders of the city. That's how it was described to me. That's how I read it. And in all the games that I had played up into that point, that's what they were. And then I started LARPing. And LARP, Bob, you can affirm, you can attest to this. LARP, people tend to degrade to what they know. And what do we know here in the U.S.? We know the good old-fashioned, vote me in, I speak for the clan. I'm the representative, right? Like one vote, one representative, one clan. And I was like, what is this? Right? And I remember one of the reasons why I enjoyed playing in, in Bob's game and, and Bob as a storyteller as a whole was because Bob espoused that ethos that the Primogen Council were the baddest of the bad, right? They're the most powerful, the most mysterious, the eldest. Those that sat on the Primogen Council did so because no one could tell them they couldn't, right? right. And, but you know, going to LARPs, you just kind of like fall into this, this pattern of like, you know, elect the primogen. And, and looking at it, it's one of those things that I, I, again, I like this book written because it feels like it. They took the experience right. from LARPs all over, right? right? Maybe even just good old Achilles flying around, <laughs> you know, visiting places and see what, 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 how do people view it? Right. And the fact is, is an implication you know this as well as I do. Whenever you find a primogen council of players, odds are, look at behind the behind the fence, so to speak. Bad term. Behind the screen. An Oz reference I, batch, I botched. Sorry. Yeah. Looking behind the curtain is what behind I was looking the, for. There it is. I fucked it up too. And, it's all good. <laughs> so, speaking behind the curtain, your typical primogen council consists of the storytellers, best players from a previous like tabletop game or another LARP. Right. And they want to build a solid group of people that can manage the horde right. that is going to come in, right? Represent of the clans. Right. And what's interesting about that perspective, that's exactly a, it's a prince's perspective. That's a style yeah. of building a permission council, but that's an out of game approach. Right. And I think that was the reason they made this, one of the reasons they made this book. And so, yeah, it is an echo chamber, but it's one where it says, Hey guys, we're all familiar with this topic. Right. And everybody's going to find a form of permission they have from this, but you should know, Right. Like a little bit of the history behind it, how it formulates, what you can do and what it means to be that primogen. Yeah, of course. And and what I what I mean, the, there's actually two like echo chambers at work here. And one is the echo chamber of, well, I've been to a dozen games and in a dozen games, all the primogen were like, I, I, I had to lobby for the position. And and if if I was deemed worthy or the most powerful or the whatever, I would get it right. You know, it was kind of like one of those it was kind of a position that a player could reach out for. You know, oftentimes right. they weren't going to get to that princely position, especially if it was like an NPC prince, but they could always aspire to primogen, right? They could always fuck the other primogen out of the seat or whatever. But it was always viewed kind of like as a representative position. And that echo chamber of games, I go to this game and I go to this game and I go to this game and and, and everybody has that opinion. I remember walking into a lot of them and going, why? What? Why? Who? No, no. The the permission doesn't represent your interests. Like, who are you? You you're you're twenty years embraced. You don't know shit, 
What does he Should care? We cut to the quick. <laughs> Let's cut to the quick because I know it's in the tip of your tongue. Mm-hmm. How frustrating is it to be in the middle of a permission regime and you're looking at the eldest member of your clan? Right. You are looking at the eldest and most powerful in your clan who is not in any political position. And it's often the player who says this, and I quote, I just don't got time for it. I, I just don't want the target on my head. I just, you know, like really guys, you don't want me because right. I'm in it for myself. Right. And you know, I'm not really, I don't really care. And about I, I want to walk over and grab that person by the lapel, male or female and shake them and go, it's your position. Right. No shit. No shit. You don't have time. We are, we are, you, feed a, you know, keep us in the dark, feed a shit. We're mushrooms. That's what we are. Right. Where we, where you get Nate and Bobbed and we pull you to the back room. We go, listen, you don't have time. You're here now. Right. Okay. You come to game and have this power. Freaking do something right. with it. Okay. Uh, you don't want to get involved in politics. Great. Make a whip. Have that whip mm-hmm. run around and talk to everybody. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's all we're saying. Right. Have a Absolutely. mouthpiece. That dude can be your lapel ghoul from down the hall. We I, don't care. I, I, I remember when this. I remember when this book came out. When this book came out, um, a bunch of people one week played their primogen in a very particular manner, and the next week they played it in a very different manner. And they were like, "I assign a stabby McSharp tooth to my Myrmidon. and right. like, like you know, and, stabby tooth. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, you had all these these players that. Um, you know, were in the know and they, they would read these books. And a lot of times these books would just, they, they would affirm what other players suspected, uh, or it would give, uh, it would give you an indication of what players read the books and what ones didn't because, but it gave everybody Mm -hmm. an idea exactly what they were looking for, you know, when they said it. And again, I put, cause this is like a debate on our, um, on our discord, right? You know, for a hot minute, it's about the different in, the inconsistencies between the world of darkness, super, supernal creatures, lore, right. you know, and things like that. Why isn't there anything concrete? And Primogen kind of fall into this, too. Right. Like, Primogen, here's a book, and here's how you can do it. Right, absolutely. It's not how it's done. Absolutely. It's and that's how you can do that's it. That's the other thing, too. The The individuals, you know, those games that we went to where they were, like, elected officials, that's not wrong. Not it's, at all. It's not wrong in the slightest. And what I would say about this book in this very first chapter is they give you that layout and they tell you like everything else in White Wolf. And, and I think this is a really key element that a lot of people miss about this game is that there isn't a right or wrong answer. This right. is, this is a collection of, of monsters pretending to not be monsters, right? Having a uh, codified systems where you go, every city has to have this and every city has to have that, that causes problems because they're at war with another sect and they're right. at war with themselves, right? So if I walk in and I go, I am, I am Gracchus Nostinus and I am 5,000 years old, okay, uh, what would you like, 5,000-year-old vampire? I control this city. I guess you do. Well, we're at the Primogen Council. No, you're not anymore. Okay, I guess we're not because you're five thousand years old and you think and we die, right? So, so that's that's one of those things. <laughs> I hope so, right, right. <laughs> so, you know, when when that when that ancient elder walks in and goes, "I am prince of this land, and I will assign my own permission council to advise me," well, then you fetch and step. But when you go, "Hey, I'm I'm Thomas Aurelius, and I'm I've been embraced for a hundred years, and I am now the 
the Prince of Indianapolis, Indiana. Well, there's five or six other elders there who are like, okay, you're Prince, but we're the Permagent Council. What's your point? Uh, leave the office. We'll get back to you. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, it's very different depending on the city and depending on who is in charge of that city. And it also, also they tell you very clearly it depends upon the game you're running, right? And one for thing, sure. one thing that we we've seen, like for instance, Chicago. I was waiting with bated breath for them to like reveal who the new prince of Chicago was because like that's so important to me, so focused on that position. Well, you have a city with like the eldest of elders in the country. Vi- like who 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 is going? Who are they going to let step up and take that position? But the thought process that people had was that, uh, and I debated this often. Mm-hmm. We'd we'd go to games around, of course, Illinois. It's always Chicago, right? right. That's the Camarillo city. And they'd always would have a permanent council and prince, permanent council and the prince. And I was like, why don't you use the, just out of curiosity, did you guys use the canon at all? Right. Nah, screw that book. It's confused. They don't know who the prince is, blah, blah, blah. Oh, okay. And then eventually I was like, you know, I got, of course, if you're going to question how they do it, they're going to question how you do it. And they were like, do you have a prince? Like, of course I do. Who is it? Loden. <laughs> really? <laughs> right. Yes, it's, it's Loden. Right. Well, the, the werewolves came in and killed him. Actually, uh, I, I was told that a lot, but did they? I mean, they came in and assaulted the city, certainly weakened it, but the, I don't know. Right, right. Why, why, is, why is he had to be dead? And he goes, what about the Primogen Council? I was like, well, what I could tell you about that Primogen Council is that they would make a Loden, wouldn't they? Right. Kind of keeps the peace, don't it? Right. Well, and you it's, saw... It's you, back to... Go ahead. Well, I mean, it's back, it's back to what you said. Right. Here's a powerful Primogen Council that knows they need to put someone with the title over there. Right. But no way does that guy have authority well, that, over what they do or who they are. That's the cool thing about this book, too, is that it goes into like the 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 variations that you'll experience when you get down to business. Right. Like the uh, one of the chapters, they talk about blocks. Right. And uh, like the traditional like, um, you know, we're we're the the war block. Like this is a chunk of, of individuals that vote this way. And this is a chunk of individuals that vote this way. But they tell you all about like how the Primogen Councils function when you have a strong prince and a strong Primogen Council, a weak prince and a weak Primogen Council, a weak and a strong, a da 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 And they go into all these variables. And this is a really great tool for not only a storyteller, but for a player to even interpret, you know, if you're in a game, in a large game, like, again, we'll talk about LARPs because LARPs kind of represent a ver- a, typically a much larger scenario. Can we can we just be brass about it? So in tabletop, if you have a primogen council, that's a cool scene. Right. That's most likely who the players will encounter the highest up the hierarchy. Right. When they have something to work for is working for a primogen because one of them is of that clan. Right. But it's a rarity because mostly you're focused on what that group of players is running around and doing. Right. Of course. So it's going to be a live action that you're going to because that's most likely what our listeners are going to be members of. Right. In, in, in a live action in, community. In most circumstances, unless your your storyteller is running a primogen game like where everyone in the game are primogen that's going to create its own <laughs> scenarios anyways but th- obviously right. in that case this book would be of great help but more likely than not as bob said you're going to be encountering this stuff in a a live action game where your players are primogen your prince is a player you know potentially so this is good even from the perspective uh of a player to interpret what's going on here and um, I feel like it 
gives you the tools to put the power and mystique back into the position of the primogen um, where it may be lacking otherwise. So real quick, uh, chapter one, we've already talked about at length, right. to be honest. The only thing we didn't get into is the history uh, of the primogen. And what I will say here is I will let the book sing its own praises because I feel White Wolf ties beautifully together the Venture clan and why they truly are the masters of the Camarilla. Right. You know, from ground up. I mean, this the, a term gets coined from uh, Hardestad in here regarding the, the primogenitor assembly, as I butcher that phrase. Uh, and you get to learn what that means and where that came about. Um, but before him, you get to learn about Colat. You remember Colat back in the day in the Venture Clan when we did the revised podcast? If not, please check it out. And it goes over why how that person realized that it's great that they could rule one city themselves, but you really can't. As one vampire, you can only rule so many mortals before that gets out of hand for you. And Colat comes up with the idea to take multiple vampires in and give them a little piece of the pie but keep them at odds with one another so they don't take yours. Right. You know, you gave them the halls, the power, so they're going to respect you and not look to go for you, especially if they're worried about each other. And, of course, Jurgen takes it a step further, and that's another venture, but that's all in Chapter 1. Mm-hmm. And what that'll do is give you an idea behind what the primogen's for and what they're about. Right. Um, and as, cool we've been, uh, as we've been reminded by, by one of our listeners, Camilla is a fella. It's a mistake we made in an early podcast. <laughs> yeah, their Camilla's a fella. Yeah. White Wolf's is a fella. Mine's a chick. I don't know why. Or, or what I like to say, androgynous. Hey, whatever. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's my point. Whatever right. you put it at. We were wrong. Uh, but, yes. <laughs> Camilla's not a chicken. Okay. So, <laughs> chapter two, Around the Table, covers the how to to everything in chapter one's what. That's right. exactly how they put it. What'd you think of chapter two, actually, Nate, especially when it gets down to the bloodlines? Um, I, I actually liked how much they talk about the clans and, and how much the clans uh, vary uh, as far as like what they're. And, and again, it's like, what is this typically? Well, you know, you're you're building stereotypes, right? If like, it, you know, if you want to if you want to have a Giovanni on the Primogen Council, I suppose you could. Right. But. You know what? What's going to come of that? What? What? Uh, you know, how does the Camarilla view that? So I think that um, from a storytelling perspective, it's a great chapter. I think it, it it's very informative and it tells you, you know, I, and I feel like a lot of times you are going to be building this as a storyteller, but I feel like this is it. it's a chapter that's effective in teaching you the 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 wise. To piggyback with that, um, I, I I agree with that statement because the realization that an independent clan can come in and be a member of the permission council without having a clan's backing. Right. was a beautiful add in. Right. And a lot of you're going, what? Wait a second. If they're supposed to look at a clan, Hey, they go over very distinctly that if you have a powerful, you have a 5,000 year old vampire that comes in and wants to sit in your permission council. The answer is yes. Right. That's uh, out uh, the gate. It's yes. Distinctly. Like who, who is it that can sit at your council? Right. Is it the prince that assigns the permission there? Well, if I walk in and I go to the prince, I want to be on the Primogen Council. What's he going to do? He's going to be like, nah, bitch, you can't. Or is he going to be like, well, let me think about this logically. You're a 700, 800, et cetera, year old vampire, and you're highly influential and incredibly powerful, and you would like to sit at my council to counsel me? 
Um, do you have other followers of set that you're, <laughs> you're, you're answering to? No, I don't. Oh, okay. Well, um, I guess in that case, you're a power of one. You go right ahead and have a seat. <laughs> right. And then the other primogen get to decide, you know, cause remember, bro, the primogen can all band together. So not screw that. We yeah, want to follow our right, set. Right. And then they're at odds with the prince. And now they got this angry independent right. kind of sitting out there and do You know, it's not a, it, it's a bad idea. For instance, in here, it governs. Uh, a phrase that I'm going to try not to butcher probably will, uh, but I'll just use mine. It's get along to get along. That's the key to a primogen's lifespan. Right. The fact is, is that in this phrase though, get along means and at all times seem diplomatic to get along. That's that other half means that behind the scenes, either that person's a benefit to you or a problem. Right. And behind the scenes, you will take care of them or use them to your benefit. In other words, you never know if this person's of advantage until you dig deep right? and you, you got to do that. And that's, it's like a life skill, even in networking, right? <laughs> right. You know, <laughs> yeah, careful absolutely. what you say, absolutely. careful who you're around, you know, always make that make sense. And, you right. know, don't ever think that you're the best ever instead be proud of what you do, but be proud of what everybody else does as well. Right. Positivity. And uh, in the primogen's case, this is back to that mystery and fear, right? Cause this book's all about balance. And mystery, bringing it back to the Primogen Council, but also making them mysterious again. Primogen are not just advisors. Right. They're not just the heads of clans. It's not just a job. Right. And and they, they're they're empowered to do so much more in the city, and nobody knows what that is. Maybe right. the prince, maybe not. Maybe the Seneschal, maybe not. But the point is, they're in a position that so long as they help preserve the traditions, influence the mortals, keep the control where it needs to be, and if they balance all the plates, they virtually can do whatever they want. And that's terrifying. Right. Especially if you're, because think of the power of the sheriff, right? Sheriff's a military badass, gets to go around, do all these investigations above the law, except for the prince. Yeah, that's great. But we know what you can and what you can do. Right. Right. We know what you can and can't. Primogen, we have no idea. <laughs> they walk in and tell you, we, I, Alicia tonight is for me and my business. And the keeper right. goes, um, is this an official primogen? Am I not a primogen? Yes, but I don't see why we're still talking. Thank you, Keeper. Right. Very well. Uh, and they leave. Meanwhile, you bring in the Sabat in the back door to talk about some deal you made. It would seem can... to me, <laughs> it would seem to me that uh, the primogen council, uh, by the way that this is written, are individuals that tend to work in favors. <laughs> and right. they seem to me to be very much like Kind of like, um, in an odd way, like heads of mafia families, right? They exactly. kind of are. They kind of are, right? But they're kind of not. Because again, you could be like, I'm going to sit on this primogen council and the primogen council is just, they're powerless to stop you or they readily accept you and you don't represent anybody, but you represent your own interests. But in a lot of ways, their job is to sort of be a figurehead for favors. Right. It seems like boons are their their choice of of financial income. Right. Every everyone. Right. Exactly. And and that's the one thing that I think a lot of people fail to realize about not just the Primogen Council, but this game. Right. The underlying truth of this game from a Camarilla perspective is the currying of favors. It is it is dealing in boons. You need something, talk to your primogen. 
Well, you, you don't actually get to talk to your primogen. You talk to the whip, right? And the whip will disseminate and he'll find out if you're, if you're worthy or not to, you know, and you probably never will talk to your primogen, but the whip will let you know, yes, he's willing to accept. He's willing to, to favor you with this, uh, you know, whatever you need. That's the kind of stuff that we're talking about here. The fun fact about that very term prestation is that it existed before the Cameron and Sabat were even formed. Right. Prestation is, is just that it's trading of favors. You can call them boons. You can call them. I owe you ones. You can call them whatever you like, but the Camarilla keeps track of them. Yeah. Right. That's the point. They make that a point of status gain and what have you in the Sabat. You absolutely still have prestation. Right. If you did a solid for an archbishop, that means you got an IOU card for something later on down the road. You know, you can be as counter, whatever you want to be to that, but that's, it's still the same thing. Call right. it whatever you want. And yeah. it is possible since it existed beforehand for a prince to own archbishop a debt right. it's that simple it, now it if may I, not it may not uh necessarily enter into the realm of the courts but no. you you definitely you make a promise that the whole society is built on the promise of payment right it's 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 built on intangibles it's i do this for you and i owe you it's like a weird honor that they have because if they don't they'll just tear each other apart i mean that's the truth of it it's like in real life. If there's somebody you kind of know that offers you five grand to help you out of a bind, you owe that person. Of course. That's not something you, you know, uh, whatever. And you know, that's going to go bad for them. Right. Right. It's, you gotta, gotta honor them debts. And that's, that's anything. Credit cards do the same thing. I mean, we, and we all hate it when we can't, or if you can't, you, you get the idea, but that's a very watered down version. But even we as mortals do that because that system of debt owing and paying comes from mortals. Right right? Just because you're a vampire doesn't disappear. In fact, you make it a point. The, the difference is, is that as a, as a normal human being, you, you may gain or lose a friend depending on how you treat them. With the vampire, you will uh, gain an enemy that is immortal, that will never go away, <laughs> that will always be there. <laughs> and no matter how hard you work or how hard you try, they're going to be there to put the boot on your neck. And that's if you survive the ordeal, right? Like we have laws that prevent us from like doing heinous things. And hopefully morally we prevent, we're prevented from doing that. Vampires are dead. They, they lobby the prince and go, he welches on a debt. Maybe the prince goes, I don't want you in my domain. If you can't honor the debt that you, you was given to you, that's if he's a nice prince. Right. He might turn around and go, what was that debt? Mm. Oh, it was a trivial boon. Good. That's one year. Yeah. Stake him. One year in the box. I'm glad our, our brains went to the exact same place. <laughs> and and what's shitty about that is that, uh, you know, from a vampire perspective, what's a year? It's a blink of an eye. But from an in-game perspective, make a new character. I mean, that's that's truly what's happening there. That's the worst part about, you know, uh, flaunting the rules, uh, bucking the system, is that you could get punished in a very reasonable way that means you just don't get to play the character anymore. Right, I stake you. I put you in a box of cement, and I bury you for a year. That's a hard character to come back and play. <laughs> right, right. And what's the rule of thumb? It can be fun to buck the system. He, me, and Nate are guilty of that probably ninety percent of the time. Yeah. yeah, you know. But we're vampire players. You should buck the system, but know how to not get caught. Right. That's the thing. You'll learn. And if you don't know how to do it yet, you better make sure you look like you're right. keeping the system and supporting it. And sometimes you just gotta play that little balancing act game and hope. <laughs> Right. It's, and, and sometimes it goes well and sometimes it doesn't, but it's always fun. Right. Right. And that's absolutely. The, that's the overall point. And, um, 
chapter three, this is where we get to build what it's like to build a permission character. Right. Points, the ideas, what you're looking for, different style of, of how you might to build what you're, what you're into, all that fun stuff. Yeah, I skipped ahead a little bit um, when I was talking yeah. about, uh, about the setites. Um, but uh, this chapter, um, now that I have the book in front of me, like I've done podcasts <laughs> before, everyone listening, I've done podcasts before, just, just be aware. Um, this is not my first one. Um, but I, I really like this, the, uh, the little blurbs in here, they talk about like Gary, Indiana, they talk about, I I, say, I just, I'm obsessed with the geographic area. Anytime there's new knowledge or stuff where I'm like, oh yeah, you know, like I have the dust to dust, uh, like the supplement, the, the V20 because I was like, oh, I wonder what happened. I mean, they're all, they're all like, eh. Are you trying to tell me that the dust to dust supplement and other Indiana stories pulled you to move to Indiana? No, not at all. Um, I, no, <laughs> but but it, yeah, it's 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 vaguely related to Chicago. I'm a I'm a dork. You know what can I say? Um, I'm joking. I'm joking. But we'll we'll hold that one for when we review that book. That's you know coming down the road. Um, but this this is the one here where they're they're talking more about um, the. The, the different clans and like what they represent on a permaging council. And they start to talk about, you know, we're, we're starting to learn a little bit about some of the Asimites coming to the Camarilla and the Tremere pitching a fit, um, losing <laughs> their shit as you would expect. Um, and they even talk a little bit about the, um, the Cathians, uh, the Kwai Jin and like the, the rare occurrences of, of that, you know, the, basically, we learn here that sometimes the permission might let you sit in, but you don't get to say shit, right? Maybe you get to advise a permission, but I mean, are we really ready to let like an uh, an Eastern vampire that we don't know anything about in? Eh, maybe, maybe not. But again, we talk about like the Giovanni, uh, the Ravnos, the Sedites, and and um, you know some of the the one offs and variants. This to me will lend credence to your game when I walk into your game and you're like, well, here's, here, here's my Primogen council. That's a Primogen Semedi, uh, Roddy tooth. And you're like, why the fuck is Roddy tooth? Well, yeah, why the fuck is, but it's not unprecedented. It's not impossible to have happened. So. And it never, and I feel it never was. Right. I mean, the overall concept of the Primogen council, sure. Advisory, but I've always thought diplomacy right. to be diplomatic amongst the clans to keep the peace. Right. Is the point. And maybe not, but usually yes. And if you're going to do that and there's a specific incident, you might make someone a member of the Primogen Council. Yeah. Like an Asamite who keeps being involved. I, I have like a, seeing what goes on. I have a, there's like a little secret that I enjoy when I go to a game and their Primogen Council has like a representative of the others, right? Like there's a powerful, independent, you know, whatever, insert clan here. We'll, we'll go with, Semedi for you know consistency purposes but there's your traditional six or seven you know members of the permission council and then you have the one and that one represents like the asimites the caitiff the ravnos the sedites like he that individual represents them and in most cases that individual like takes their job super seriously they're like i gotta get back but i i like it because that means that there's a lot of people in the game and that means that there's a there's a, a grand diversity because I like going to a game where there is a diversity of oddities and 
you know, not only are there the traditionals, you know, the stereotypes, the Bruja rabble, but there's also like the one mystic follower of Set who's searching for whatever. And there's the card hustling Ravnos who is also a stereotype. But hey, they're there. You know, I, I enjoy that. I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. I agree. There's nothing wrong with it. Um, I don't particularly enjoy it myself, but that's only because <laughs> the uh, the numbers got to match, right? right. I'm, I'm, and here's what I mean by numbers. Like people, are like, hey, aren't you non-crunch guy, Bob? Actually, yeah, I'm not. But it also has to make sense, right? If I'm in a Camarilla game, right, Camarilla, right, and we have the clans represented, and it's a game of 300 people, I'm, I'm yes, I, I, they're damn well better, right? Be a mix of of some independent what have yous and whatnots because. For whatever reason, you're rocking a city right, and you're controlling the mortals so good oh, yeah, that yeah, you yeah. can support all that blood. Oh, yeah, that's that's the other thing too. That's why I enjoy it because that means that there's a lot of people in the game. Right. Oh no, absolutely. You made you made the distinction. I think very very good. Um the the point I'm making, like for me, where it kind of takes a went went <laughs> is when okay, so we got like the Camarilla represented half. Right. Right. So take take those numbers down a notch and say it's a hundred people. Right. Yep. And it's like, okay, cool. We got a hundred. And so out of the hundred, the permission council is four actual cam clans and three independent. Oh yeah. No, I'm not about that. Life. And the, and the independents don't support anybody. Yeah. They're just, yeah. you know, it's, can there be three independent walking around the city? I may never know. Right. Usually they're pretty close knit about that, but if they're out in the open, like old Roddy tooth, for sure. Let me read your fortune for Baron Somni. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, uh, we're pretty loose around here. You know, it's not going to be the death. It's right. not a nail in the coffin for me at all. Right. Because again, I've been to games where it seems that way. I believe in experiencing it before. Like, I will never go here again. Right. We invented the rule of three for any LARP. Go three times before yeah. deciding yeah, whether absolutely. it was good or bad. Uh, I I definitely agree with you. It's like my it's like my hot dog adage, right? I always go to like when I go to a fast food place, I always order their hot dogs first just to see cuz if you fuck up a hot dog, then, you know, your uh, the rest of your food's probably not going to be very good cuz hot <laughs> right. dogs are notoriously easy, uh, very difficult to fuck up. I I have the same guideline there. I don't even care. Like if I go to a LARP and this is detru- this is like off the 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 rails here a little bit. I don't care, but like if I go to a LARP and the first game is like meh. It has to be really bad for me not to go back. I'll, right. I'll, you know, if it's if it's bad, I'll go a second time because maybe it was just an off night. If I go a second night and it's bad, it's it's really going to cause me stress to go to a third one. And and honestly, what's bad, Bob? What is bad? Well, what is bad is exactly this. It's boring. Yeah. When you go to a game and your players are all talking out of game and your storyteller is dealing with some out of game drama over in a corner, that can happen. Right. But maybe we should have called off game. Right. You know, they need time to clear their head. Players want to go do something else. Let's, let's go do that. Right. But to me, it's a sign of unhealth when I'm there and it's not done. And like everybody feels forced to be in one spot. Right. That's a bad game. But again, everyone has a one off night. So if that's an off night, great. Right. You go back second night. If it's now, here comes the tyrant marching down, lopping off heads out of nowhere for a plot you had no idea what was going on. Okay, watch the story unfold. If it makes sense and everyone's talking about it and you enjoy it, great. Right. But how is that a bad night? Oh, when everybody out of games laughing and talking about how ridiculous it is and what you saw the first night is carrying over the second week and it was some baby mama drama where they're now taking it out on the new, the, the new bow to his former girlfriend that used to play or whatever it right. is. Um, those are bad. So I guess easier to say a game that is bad is anyone where the storyteller is not neutral, focused on the fun of the game. The reason everybody's right, there, right? People aren't engaged. People aren't staying in game. They're just there to like, you know, hang out, 
bullshit. I mean, like we've been to dozens of games where it was just like 12 people and everybody stood around all night and bullshitted, which is fine. Just don't call it a game. Right. Right. You know, like just, just social. Outing. Right. Just say, hey, oh, like, we just, yeah, everybody's just got together or whatever. No game tonight. That's fine. Who's got the barbecue? <laughs> right. right I'll, exactly. go get some, I'll get some drinks. We'll be back. We'll, we'll sit and chat with you. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but, but I think that, um, utilizing your permaging council, um, it, it can be a very, a very effective tool to keep people in character, can keep people into the game. And this book is very nostalgic, clearly, because me and Nate have a lot of clear off ideas that we're just going with right. it that originate here, because the Permanent Council really is a great example of the feel of your game, right? because we are social creatures as human beings. So you can always tell who the strongest clan is by how frequently they meet up, by how clannish they become. And that's weird to say that, but you know what I mean? Right. Like the Bruja tend to be the number one Permanent every time because they travel together. Right. right. They're like a visible force moving around usually. And that's not wrong. Just interesting. Definitely don't want to get on the wrong side of that mob. You know, the Nosferatu always disappear in a corner to sit in a sewer and run a scene. Okay. <laughs> right, right. You know, Malks will have a, have a clan meeting in the middle of the city meeting and never tell you. Right. You know, just yell non sequiturs out every time. And he broke the masquerade. Twinkies are on sale. Right. What is that to do anything? No one knows. And he should probably be quiet. But for all you know, it's code. Who knows? And I'm being completely stereotypically wrong with that Mal comment. But um, the point is, um, this book does all that. You will, if you're new to Vampire, you're going to learn what the Primogen are about. Right. If you are a veteran, you're going to learn how the Primogen are about, which I think is the important thing. You already knew. Right. There's no way you got this far in this game, playing this game for even so much as a year, and have no idea what the Primogen do. Right. You right. have an idea. What it is, is that it's just an idea in your head. When you read this book, now you know what you can do or what they're doing with that role. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think that um, this, here's how I would describe this book. This book is a, um, it's a second tier book, right? Like it's a book, it's not the the cam guide, it's not the Sabat guide, it's not the base book, it's not the Anarch guide. Like those I think are like prime, you know, those are the top tier books that you need to run your game. This, though, helps you to get deeper and more descriptive and a better understanding of how the Primogen Council functions. I, I feel like this book is, is as important as um, like uh, any of the other books that we, we've recently talked about, like the Archons and Templars or uh, the Gilded Cage. Like it's, it, it's definitely right below. And it's a book that people typically forget about. They don't, you know, often reference it. There's even disciplines in here. How cool is that? You get a couple there's disciplines. There's merits and flaws. Right. There's merits it. and flaws. You ever wanted to know where natural leader came from? Here's your book. <laughs> um, so, so everybody gets a little bit of something. Is this a book that you're going to constantly reference? No, but it's a book that you definitely want to read and, uh, absorb and probably read a couple of times so that you get all the different strategies that Primogen use that, that, you know, you need for your game or for your character. Agreed. So I believe that means we unanimously give this a plus. Yeah. This is a good book. Yeah, definitely. This is a book that anybody at any time revised first edition, it doesn't matter. You would stand to gain by getting this book and reading it. So uh, I think it's definitely an imperative. It's one of those books that we kind of like talked about again, where it fits right in to your collection to iron out your your knowledge 
to really get into the details. So yeah, um, get this book, do it because we said so. <laughs> Sorry, it's <laughs> easy. Yeah. Get this book. It's true. Yeah. You should, you should get it. You should have it. All righty. So the next book that we are reviewing is kindred of the ebony kingdom and i imagine that is going to be a very long and very involved podcast um it's at least a two-parter yeah that's it might take us a couple hours to get through because we're basically teaching you what what this even is and why it's imperative it's because it does directly apply to vampire the masquerade unlike like the kwaijin which are their own thing, you know, the Cathians, they're they're like the eastern vampires, they're like their own thing. This they're not. They're and, and to define that a little better, what he's getting at is Cathians are arguably they're, they're, it's an argument that they're right. a vampire. Right. Right? With everything they have, sure they're classified, but they have a lot of traits from the other world of darkness they right. pull right. into that, and we'll get to that. But the Ebony Kingdoms is straight up. No, right. these are vampires. Right. These are Western. Right. Different culture. Right. It's a different culture. Yeah. So so it's going to be a deep dive. So for those of you who are like super into our longer podcasts, awesome. Um, but it's going to take us some time. So yeah. Anyways, um, Kindred of the Ebony Kingdom. If you run a podcast, if you are interested in Bob or myself or both of us being on one of your podcasts. You can email me. I am Nathan at utilitymuffinlabs.com or you can go to our Facebook or Twitter, our Discord. Uh, you could send us a letter. Um, all that stuff is on our website, utilitymuffinlabs.com. And uh, until next week, oh, also, sorry. We are going to have Colin, who is running the LARP we are going to be participating in at Gen Con on NerdWords this week. So if you're interested in knowing more about that LARP, about us being at Gen Con, about playing Vampire the Masquerade with Bob and Nate, listen to that podcast. That will be out Monday after this. So coming up in a couple of days. Um, Anything you want to add, Bob? Not at all, other than thanks for listening, guys. Again, yes. Thank you very much. And uh, thank you, folks, for all of your support, for backing us up on Patreon. And we're constantly making strides to be sufficiently adequate. Until next week, I'm Nathan. And I'm Bob. And we'll talk to you again soon. Twenty years have passed since a tragic fire at an illegal rave killed over a hundred people outside Austin, Texas. But is that all that happened on the night in question? Experience the horror of Vampire the Masquerade like never before. Jackalope LARP and White Wolf present a blockbuster LARP horror event. The Night in Question, November 17th, 2018, Austin, Texas. Jackalope-LARP.com for tickets and information. Where will you be on the Night in Question?